And I'll begin by reading the superscript, the little text that's above the, the official verse 1. But this superscript is part of the psalm. It's part of the Hebrew text from the Old Testament. It, it uh, sets the setting for this psalm. It says this, For the director of music, to the tune of, Do Not Destroy, of David, a miktam. A miktam is uh, a Hebrew term for some kind of poetic or musical um, device. And then it says, When Saul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. That's the story we just heard read. Now Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. See how they lie in wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me. For no offense or sin of mine, O Lord, I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. O Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked they return at evening snarling like dogs and prowl about the city see what they spew from their mouths they spew out swords from their lips and they say who can hear us but you O Lord laugh at them you scoff at all those nations O my strength, I watch for you. O God, you are my fortress, my loving God. God will go before me and will let me gloat over those who slander me. But do not kill them, O Lord, our shield, or my people will forget. In your might, make them wander about and bring them down. For the sins of their mouths, For the words of their lips, let them be caught in their pride. For the curses and lies they utter, consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known that to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. They return at evening, snarling like dogs. And prowl about the city. They wander about for food. And howl if not satisfied. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress. My refuge in times of trouble. O my strength. I sing praise to you. You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks and praise this day for being present in this space and for being the fulfillment of these words and so many others that we read in scripture that point us to your love 
and your compassion and your presence, even in the darkest moments of our lives. Help us as we reflect together and as we hear from you this day, from this psalm and from the next few minutes, help us to be aware of your spirit and aware of your presence and listening to what you would have to say to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are moving into the second section of our fall journal that we've been working through this past month. Uh, This month we're beginning uh, on the first Sunday in October, of course, with the section titled Canyons. Uh, We don't have any more of these journals, but we do have photocopies of the month's pages. If you'd like to pick up a copy on your way out today, they're on the table just outside the office. Canyons, trusting God in the dark night of the soul. Theme of our singing today has all been about trusting God. And now we're adding in this phrase, trusting God in the the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul is a very poetic phrase that's actually a few hundred years old. You may have heard that phrase in popular language uh, out and about here and there, uh, but it comes from a writer, a, a Christian mystic, a Spanish Christian writer from the 16th century named John of the Cross, or Saint he's called. He wrote a poem in the 16th century, the 1500s, Uh, that he didn't entitle The Dark Night of the Soul, but it's kind of been labeled that or titled that after the fact. It's a short poem, just uh, five stanzas, nope, eight stanzas of five lines. I had five and eight in my brain and I got it mixed up. Eight stanzas of five lines each. So a relatively short poem. And that poem addresses a spiritual dark night and the pursuit of God's loving presence in the midst of that darkness. Now, while he only wrote those 40 lines of poetry, he then wrote two full book-length discussions of that poem. So he had a lot more to say than just that one uh, 40-line poem. The dark night of the soul is a period of spiritual dryness. It's not necessarily one night in length. It can be a week or a month or a year or five years in length. But it's a period of time in which you have cloudy spiritual vision or uncertainty about the way forward. When you are searching for God or for God's will, the dark night of the soul can be prompted by many types of external situations. An illness or a death in your family or community, the loss of a job or a broken relationship, or even some unkind words that someone says to you. Uh, pretty much any negative experience can, can begin this descent into a long, dark night of the soul. But the dark night is not just feeling badly about something. It is an existential crisis. It's a crisis of faith. It's a turning point in your life. Something that five or ten years down the road, you would look back on and say, that was a major moment in my life. That was a major period of time in my life. Uh, A point where I felt very lost or uncertain about the way forward. 
there are a number of emotional reactions to the dark night of the soul or emotional situations that can inform our hearts, inform our being as, as we uh, enter into this dark night of the soul. And this month in October, we're going to explore four of those um, emotional reactions. And they're labeled as such in the journal, if you care about that. Betrayal, fear, shame, and disappointment. Betrayal, fear, shame, and disappointment are the four major emotional places that we're going to explore from the perspective of Scripture. And the angle we're taking is to look at the Psalms. The the Psalms of David, King David from the Old Testament days. And particularly four Psalms that are tied to other events in his life. Like we've heard today, the story of Saul, King Saul, trying to kill David because he had perceived David to be a threat to his reign. And then David wrote a psalm in response to King Saul's activity. These words all sound so familiar or similar to each other. Saul and psalm, but they're very different. So I'm trying to enunciate clearly here. The psalms that we'll explore will give us both the language and the permission to express to God our deepest thoughts, and feelings. These texts point us to the presence of God in the midst of our darkest nights. The betrayal that David felt, that's the focus for today, the betrayal that David felt from King Saul was pretty massive. David had already been anointed as the next king over Israel. Just nobody else knew it yet. Saul didn't recognize that yet. David had already killed Goliath, the giant warrior of the Philistine army. And David has begun to become noticed by other people for his bravery and his valiant efforts in warfare and combat and things. And they're starting to celebrate David more than they celebrate Saul. And that is making Saul rather jealous. So Saul tries to kill David a number of times. You heard about one instance in the chapter that we read today. He had already tried to kill David once before in the previous chapter, and that didn't work. And then before this event took place, Saul came up with another great idea to have David eliminated. He decided to have David marry his daughter, Michael. And you think, well, that's not a real great way to get rid of somebody. He's going to be stuck in the family now. But uh, in that culture and in that time, there was a practice of, of paying a bride price, especially to the king. If you're marrying the king's daughter, you would have to pay the king a certain amount of money or do something in order to sort of earn the right to marry into the royal family. And Saul decided that the price that would be paid for David to marry his daughter Michael would be that David would have to go out and kill a hundred Philistine soldiers. Not just one Goliath, but now a hundred of them. And Saul's thinking was, surely that will get David killed. <laughs> because how can one person defeat 100 soldiers? Well, David went out and doubled that. He killed 200 Philistine soldiers and got to marry Michael. And they all lived happily ever after. Except not really. Saul was still not very much pleased with this. Now he has a son-in-law. 
that he does not care for and he wants to eliminate. Saul is not a very stable guy. So in a moment of kindness, the passage that our youth read for us today from 1 Samuel uh, 19, in a moment of kindness, Saul promises that David will be safe. No harm will ever come to him. But then right after that, jealousy strikes Saul's heart again. And he tries to kill David again, and he fails again. And this time he sends a group of soldiers out to watch David's house so that they can kill him when he comes out of it. And that is the narrative context for Psalm 59. David has been betrayed by Saul, his king and his father-in-law and his employer. He had been the harpist, the, the musician for the for Saul for some time too. His life is very much in danger and he cannot survive on his own. David is surrounded by his enemies and his only hope is for God to intervene. That's why he cries out to God in this psalm. Psalm 59 is intense and covers a wide range of human emotions. David cries out to God for protection and safety. He declares his innocence before God. I have done nothing to deserve this. He calls on God to wake up and notice his situation. He wishes that, on the one hand, his enemies would not be killed, but would just be humiliated or embarrassed. But then later, he wishes that they would be wiped off of the face of the earth. David prays for mercy for himself, but he prays that there would be no mercy shown to his enemies. He calls out in anger against his enemies, but then he returns to the love of God. It is an emotional roller coaster of a psalm. And the experience of betrayal can be quite the roller coaster ride, too. When your trust in someone evaporates, everything can be called into question. Your self identity, your stability, the emotional and physical resources that you have at your disposal, your ability to cope with even everyday stresses. When somebody betrays you, it's very easy to adopt the mentality of a victim. Your identity becomes that of a victim and nothing more. And that's where one of the dangers lies in dealing with betrayal. Betrayal can lead us to getting stuck in that dark night of the soul where all we can see is how badly we have been treated by somebody else. All we can see is the evilness of those who have harmed us and all we can experience is the wild range of emotions about what should happen to them. It's not healthy for us to get stuck there. It's okay to be there in the dark night of the soul, but if you get stuck there, that's when it becomes unhealthy. God's desire is for us, like David, to be honest with God to find our strength in God, to take our refuge in God, to sing praise to God, to be transformed by God. This is the good news of this psalm. 
God is big enough, bigger than we thought he was, God is big enough to handle our most dramatic emotional outbursts. Our prayers that harm would come to our enemies are prayers that God listens to. Even our questions about where God is in the midst of our distress, God takes all of that. God listens to all of it. God welcomes all of that honest communication from us. David speaks all of these words to God, and God just listens. How do you think God would respond? The psalm is just from David's perspective. It doesn't say anything about how God returns the answer to this prayer. But here's an idea. Two times in this psalm, David's emotions reach a very high level where he aggressively wishes harm on his enemies. He says at one point, show no mercy to these wicked traitors. And then later on, consume them in wrath till they are no more. Very high points of emotion. Those are really harsh words. And after each of those harsh words that David speaks about his enemies, the text includes a Hebrew word, selah, which happens in a number of psalms. We don't know exactly what it means, uh, but it has something to do probably with uh, a musical interlude, or it could be an instruction to just kind of pause and reflect at that point in the psalm, something along those lines, selah. In this situation, this is kind of a high point of anger and emotion. You could think of it as the the raging guitar solo in the middle of a piece of rock music, right? This is Selah, this kind of a thing. But then, after each outburst, after each Selah, the exact same words appear in the text. They return at evening snarling like dogs, and prowl about the city. David's enemies are still there. The problem has not been resolved. Evil and hardship persist in his life. This psalm does not offer violence and revenge as the solution to the life's problems. Violence and revenge are not the answer for this psalm. No, taking refuge in God is the answer. God is David's strength, David's fortress. David's, David experiences a transformation in his heart. In the midst of crying out to God, halfway through the psalm, David says, O oh my strength, I watch for you. Watching in the dark night of the soul is a lonely, quiet process. Watching means slowing down, releasing tension, listening, waiting. And it's only after that silence that David can write at the end of the psalm similar words, but slightly different. Oh, my strength I sing praise to you. David takes refuge in God, waits for God, and then finds that his soul is able to rejoice in God 
even while the dark night of the soul is still going on. We can get stuck in the dark night of the soul. We can become stuck thinking of ourselves as victims. Finding a healthy way forward is difficult on our own. Evil and hardship may persist in our lives too. But resorting to violence and revenge is not the answer. God is present with us in the midst of our dark nights. God is always willing to hear our prayers and petitions. God will always be worthy of our trust. God guides us toward himself, toward safety in him. Safety on a spiritual level. Now sometimes, but not always, God will guide us toward physical safety as well. In David's case, in this particular story, the present crisis was averted, as you heard read, when David's wife, Michael, the daughter of King Saul, lowered David through a window and he escaped somehow from the crowd that had surrounded him. Um, He was granted physical safety, at least in that moment. The problem was not resolved. The conflict with Saul was not over. David experienced more pain in that relationship further down the road. So there was some relief from the physical trial that David faced right then. But that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes the physical pain of betrayal doesn't go away. And here is where my thoughts are led to the example of Jesus. I always want to ask the question, What does Jesus know about this experience? What does Jesus' example say to us about how we should live? If we are to be followers of Jesus, we should do something along the lines of what Jesus did. And if we're thinking about betrayal, what does Jesus know about betrayal? Oh, oh, Jesus knows something about betrayal, doesn't he? One of his own disciples, Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 closest people to him betrayed him to the authorities with a kiss, something that should be nice and pleasant and friendly and loving actually turned into something that led to Jesus's arrest and trial and execution within 24 hours. Jesus knows something about betrayal. And Jesus knows something about the reality that the physical pain of betrayal does not go away. The physical pain did not disappear for Jesus. He died because of that betrayal at the hands of Judas Iscariot. But watch the example of Jesus. He accepted that betrayal from one of his closest friends. He did not fight back against it. He found his safety, his spiritual safety, certainly not his physical safety, in God who is his fortress. God was completely trustworthy for Jesus, even in the midst of the dark night of Jesus' soul. Psalm 59 urges us toward being spiritually formed 
moving through pain and fear and anger that so often accompany betrayal to a quiet trusting in God. This work of spiritual formation is not a quick fix to the problems of life. No, it's a path. It is a long journey and it is a spiritually healthy way to move forward. We can rest assured that we are allowed to express ourselves to God freely. We can complain to God. We can even call for the death of our enemies. Those prayers may may not change the situation. But the more honest we are with God and the more honest we are with ourselves, the more God will be able to transform our hearts from betrayal to trust as we endure the dark night of the soul. I mentioned John of the Cross as the uh, person who sort of coined that phrase or brought it into the Christian way of thinking, the dark night of the soul. Uh, John was mentored and taught by another 16th century Spanish uh, Christian mystic, a woman named Teresa of Avila. Uh, Teresa was about 25 years older than John and and taught him a lot about trusting God in the midst of of difficult times. And she is uh, credited with creating uh, a writing, a prayer that is printed for you on a little bookmark um, that Stacy, our secretary, made very beautifully. This um, is called a bookmark prayer, and you can take it with you and use it as a bookmark or post it somewhere uh, that would be helpful for you to remember uh, this prayer. This is five, five six hundred years old now. Um, and I, I mentioned this, I read this to you all a couple of years ago, uh, two and a half years or so. I checked my notes because I have shared this with you before. Um, so if it sounds familiar... That's why. But it's worth repeating and it's worth keeping in mind. Her bookmark prayer says simply this. Let nothing upset you. Let nothing frighten you. Everything changes. God alone is changeless. With patience, all things are possible. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. So this week, I invite you to reflect on a betrayal that you have experienced in your life. This could be a painful experience for you. It could be a present experience. Maybe you're going through that dark night of the soul right now. Or maybe there's been something in your past that you can reflect on. Or if betrayal is not something that you can really land on, maybe another painful situation in your life. Take take some time to reflect on it this week. and Just five minutes even would be plenty. And as you reflect on that experience, call out to God with all the honesty you can muster. God is big enough to handle it. And then... Be silent before God and watch for God. Listen for God. And after five minutes of listening in silence, go back to Psalm 59 and pray it. Let it be your prayer in relationship to that situation that you're remembering or dealing with. And then if you're... So inspired, pray the bookmark prayer from Teresa. Uh, 
of Avila and see if the Spirit of God moves you from anger and hatred and betrayal and pain to peace and security and even praise of God for God's love and faithfulness. It may happen in that moment. It may not. You may still be a little bit stuck in that dark night of the soul. And if that's the case, that's all right. Keep trying it. Keep praying. Keep being honest with God. Keep crying out to God. Keep listening for God. Because if nothing else is true, God is ultimately trustworthy. God is ultimately loving. God is ultimately compassionate. Let's pray together. God, in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of our pain, we are grateful that we can come to you and that you can hear us and listen to us even as we scream at the top of our lungs because of the injustices in our lives or the pain that we have experienced or the pain that others experience. Help us, Lord, to listen to you, to present ourselves honestly before you, and to wait. For we know that whoever has God lacks nothing, that you alone are enough. Help us to internalize and embody those words that Teresa wrote so many years ago. And to embody the example of Jesus who lived so many years before her. An example of of complete and total trust and security in you. Thank you for this story from King David's life. We pray that this this journey through the canyons, the dark nights of our soul, would be fruitful and would be marked by many signs of your presence along our journey. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.